0: Hello and welcome to the Women in Sport podcast brought to you by CSM Live. Thank you as always for tuning in and joining the conversation around sport and physical activity for women and girls. This month's episode is focused on an extremely important topic as girls return to school over the next few weeks for the first time in about six months for some of them. And there are some new and already existing challenges that they will be facing. So today we've gathered a fantastic panel to discuss this. We have Nikki Giant, Interim Head of Girls Rights and Youth Team at Plan UK. Hi, Nikki. Hi, how are you? Good, good, thank you. Thanks so much for joining us. Um, we have Vanessa Green, Impact and Evaluation Manager at Chance to Shine. Hi, Vanessa.
1: Hi, how's it going?
0: Good, good, thank you. And we also have Mia, who is a participant in one of Chance to Shine's programs. Thanks so much for, for joining us today, Mia. Hiya. And we also have Amy Cripps from Goals for Girls as well joining us, uh, a programme that is delivered in schools around football. Thanks a lot, Amy.
2: Hi, yeah. Uh, thanks for having me.
0: So firstly, um, Nikki Plan actually released a report um, about the impact of lockdown on girls quite early on actually in May, when maybe we weren't to know that this was going to go on for so long. Here we are now at the end of August. Um, So what did that report tell us about the impact of lockdown on girls in the UK?
3: Yeah, that's right. We launched a report um, quite a few months ago, actually, and we just felt it was really important to try and capture girls' voices and experiences, particularly when we're in the midst of lockdown, because we were hearing anecdotally a lot um, from girls. And we really wanted to see what the impact of coronavirus particularly was for girls, because they're a group that's often missing. Um, And it was really quite stark findings, actually, really um, disappointing that girls felt that um, they couldn't really go out. They felt very fearful about going out. Um, They felt that they would be um, at risk going out and not having a lot of people around at the time. Um, There were definitely fears about street harassment and safety, um, which is an issue that we know is is always um, there for girls. There was also a lot of concern around um, access to period products and huge concerns around mental health as well for girls. So it was a huge range of issues and we just felt it was really important to kind of shine a light on those and to make sure that girls' needs weren't missing. And of course now we're you know months and months into it, we're talking about going back into school, but a lot of those issues still remain.
0: And we're going to hear from some of the goals for girls participants a bit later but Mia as our, our teenage girl voice um on the podcast um tell us a little bit about yourself you know how old how old you are what's what school you year you're in and also what was your lockdown experience like I'm
4: 16 I've just finished my GCSEs, and I'm going to into sixth form at Northgate but um I've just been basically just I started off just doing finishing schoolwork and then I've just basically just been waiting around for school now.
0: And congratulations on your GCSEs, that's great. And, and what what were you doing to keep yourself busy? Because I, I, I bet you weren't just doing schoolwork, I know that's not true. So what other things were you doing during that long period?
4: Um, I've been doing bits of baking and cooking and then I've just um when we're allowed to we're allowed to meet up with our friends and I've met with them a few times as well.
0: And is, is sport something that you know and, and PE and stuff at school was that something that you you liked you enjoyed or you know what what's been your relationship with, with sport at school?
4: Yeah definitely I do enjoy sport I was I'm a runner I do cross country and then I also play cricket in the summer season but um, obviously didn't have much cricket this year. But um, I've just, we're about, it's my first running training session back today after this. And then I'll just be training twice a week normally.
0: And so did you, did you do much during lockdown in terms of activity? Did you go out to the park? What were the kind of things you did to, you know, still do sport during that time?
4: I went on a few runs and I went on walks quite a bit. And then we just like, even if we were going somewhere, we'd walk there instead of getting the, Um, getting the car and then we'd also cycle around a bit.
0: And how do you feel about, you know, starting, obviously starting sixth form now, um, a new challenge for you, but how do you feel about going back? Are you nervous? Are you excited? What are your thoughts? I
4: am quite excited for sixth form. It's just going to be a big workload increase and I just want to stay on top of it and just include my sports and everything else I need
0: to do. And Vanessa, obviously, Mia's a participant in your programme and she said she loves cricket, which is good, very much on brand for you guys. Um, So what have been the challenges for you as an organisation?
1: Well, plenty, I think, Um, like we were just talking about before we came on, but um, I think for the benefit of people who don't know a lot about Chance to Shine, um, we are a national cricket charity for children and young people. Um, We're all about giving children the opportunity to play the game and have fun. But really at the heart of it, it's about how do you get young people to develop um, themselves while they're taking part? All the good things that we know that come out of sports, the personal, the social, the mental well-being. So in a normal non-COVID year, we work mainly in uh, primary schools and secondary schools and in communities, and about 600,000 children take part every year. But half of those, or specifically 49%, because that 1%, elusive 1%, 50% is killing us, uh, we will get there. Our girls, um, and we have a dedicated program for teenage girls in secondary school. In secondary schools that Mia is part of. Um, and Mia is one of our young leaders for that, which I'll talk about in a minute. But the challenges for us, I think, are we're sitting here thinking about, right, we have to work with schools. We have to be able to go into schools. We have to be able to make sure that girls can access our programs in school so one of the first challenges for us as an organization is making a really strong case for sport in schools schools have so much on their plate at the moment they've got months of um academic learning to catch up on you've got they're going to have hundreds of young people coming back who might be more anxious they might have been more isolated like nikki was talking about i think that's Our number one priority as an organisation is making it so clear to schools that we're here to help. Our programmes are free. Let us in. We've, you know, gone out of our way to design our programmes so that they can help with the type of things that we know are issues um, and that we are going to do it in the safest way that we can as possible. So that's our big challenge. And then thinking about our programmes and who we work with, We're acknowledging that if we go back to work with teenage girls, they might be starting from a lower point of confidence with sports. They might be starting with a lower point of fitness. Um, Thinking about even people like Mia, who are so sporty and so comfortable with that. I don't know how you feel, Mia, but maybe that first run back after a little bit might have your heart beating a bit more. I might feel a little bit more uncomfortable. I know it does for me. So there are big challenges. How do we make the case to schools and how do we make sure the girls are as comfortable and as safe as possible so they want to come back and they want to they want to keep playing sports.
0: And when you've talked to schools so far because what I found quite difficult when researching the topic for this podcast is actually knowing what PE provision is going to look like because you know I think some schools have worked it out and some I've got lots of friends who are teachers who still have no idea. Um, So when you've chatted to schools what have they been saying about what sports going to look like in the next year
1: so it's really mixed um, we've done a lot of survey work with teachers over lockdown and you've got one campus schools who are saying regardless of how it happens we need to make it happen and that's a priority because we know that it's going to offer these young people these girls something that we, they just need they need that social time together so you've got those that are very enthusiastic and are into problem solving and you've got others who are just like logistically we don't have the space um we know that sport is going to be outside so that is one of the big guidelines that schools are getting is that more so sport has to be outside we're going to have common areas even though we're inside that we would have had like school halls etc are probably going to be classrooms now to allow for social distancing um so they're the type of things they're thinking about as well um we you know we have to work in bubbles coaches are going to be thinking about bubbles and that kind of way of working about who they work with, who they can't work with. Um, So I think it's fair to say that it's going to be different for every single school. And that's what we as an organisation have really had to listen to. And we can't just go in with the same programme for every school. We have to listen. We've built in time in our programmes that our coaches are going to have two hours before they even go into a school to really talk with the school and say, what are you afraid of? If equipment is an issue, we've removed all equipment. Like, how can we make this as easy as possible for you?
0: Amy, your your situation is fairly similar with with Girls for Girls Um, in terms of working with schools directly in schools and and how has the situation impacted the way you deliver and also, you know, the outlook for the organisation going forward?
2: Yeah, so we're much, much smaller at Goals for Girls. So we work at the moment with five schools predominantly in London and predominantly in areas of high deprivation. The main borough we work is Newham Um, but as a program we work with 400 girls on a weekly basis and since 2013 when we started we've reached 1600 plus girls so much much smaller but considering the size of our organization I mean there's five of us that work part-time so we think we're doing pretty well Um, but yeah it's it's really really tough because of our scale Um, so we've had super honest conversations with schools and they've turned around and they've said to us we just don't have the space. So like quite similar to what Vanessa's saying. So we've had to chat with our coaches and they've been thinking about, okay, so I have to take these sessions in bubbles. So I'm going to have to have X amount of girls. I'm going to have to split them up into multiple groups and then I'm going to have to play mini games. Can I do that on the pitch? Do I have enough space on the pitch? Um, We can't be in sports halls anymore. Does that mean we'll also be in classrooms like Vanessa says? And We don't have an infinite amount of money to hire new coaches. If we did, that would definitely be one solution to the problem. So we're just sort of having to go into schools, see what their priorities are, but also really consider the priorities of our girls. I mean, a lot of them haven't been doing any form of physical exercise in lockdown. A lot of the girls we work with have quite acute mental health concerns. And getting out of bed has been a struggle. So, you know, putting on your trainers and going for a run isn't something that is at the forefront of their minds. And that's where Goals for Girls really did sort of help them with their lives and that sort of confidence building and getting out there and really enjoying sport and also understanding the benefits of sport. So I think for us, yes, football is 100% at the heart of what we do, but we're really, really having to think about our girls and their headspace more than anything at the moment and just sitting down and speaking with them and saying what is it that you want to focus on this half term or the next term like what do you want to get out of goals for girls let's say from september to january you know and that's that is how we work we have the girls at the center of our approach and everything is designed by and for the girls. Um, and I think, you know, like Vanessa said, it depends school to school. It depends on funding, it depends on resources, it depends on space. Um, and ultimately, we've got a generation of kids who have suffered academically, and schools, that will be the number one priority. I used to be a history teacher. And so, you know I'm thinking about the hundreds, the thousands of kids that sort of haven't got the grades that they deserved. They've gone through a system that again has sort of done a massive injustice to them, and you know, from an ex teacher sort of point of view, I would be really sort of thinking, okay, I need to get my kids from A to B, I need to get them those grades because those grades are now really, really important. They really have to mean something um so yeah, there's a lot for us to think about and a lot for us to contend with, um, but I mean, we just have to get creative like we said before the podcast started and having chats like this with other organizations that really does help us in terms of getting creative and thinking outside the box
0: and you said some a lot of the girls you work with um have have acute mental health problems did you find that lockdown you know really um exaggerated these as well and and it was a lot harder on those girls and and any issues they did face were you know a lot a lot tougher to deal with because they didn't have that support
2: Yeah, 100 percent. I mean, COVID has exacerbated their mental health concerns exponentially. Um, A lot of our girls, they suffer with anxiety. They have really, really low levels of self-esteem, lack of confidence, all the sort of things that people have to think about when getting girls into sport. Some of the biggest, most common obstacles Um, and at Goals for Girls, Coupled with our mentoring program, it was about understanding this idea of sort of self-love. How can we build one another up instead of tear one another down? You know, that sort of like common trope amongst women, especially in sport. Uh, The pitch can often be quite a catty environment. It can be sort of off-putting for young people. And we just found it super difficult at times to reach some of our more vulnerable participants because they weren't picking up the phone. They weren't attending their online mentoring sessions initially. Um, We were struggling to get hold of their parents. A lot of their parents were key workers. A lot of our young people, they offer support to younger siblings. So they're having to play the role of mum at home, big sister, auntie. Um, And so the things that they're really, really worried about are things that children shouldn't necessarily have to worry about. But because of their environment, that they're in the demographic that they belong to. Their worries and concerns are similar to the worry and concerns that, you know, I have living with someone who's vulnerable and in their 80s. Um, but theirs just seems to be on a much, much bigger, bigger scale and just trying to get hold of them. They can't simply pop into the Goals for Girls office. We don't see them on a Wednesday, you know, 3.30 to 4.30 for training. We don't see them for the hour and a half, like group mentoring session. And so it was a really, really sort of big obstacle for us to overcome. And one way we sort of managed it was through social media. Um, We found that they responded a hell of a lot faster through sort of Instagram uh, than they would do through like WhatsApp or Zoom or anything like that. And so that's when we sort of turned our um, program to social media with sort of live workouts sort of every Monday, Wednesday and Friday. We had a guest. Speakers come on from the footballing industry. So we had like Enya Luko, Daniel Carter, and we had inspirational like female role models within sports. So like Michelle Moore, and just sort of like giving girls an opportunity to have their voices heard and questions answered through like these and still be in their lives, especially with women's football. Um, So yeah.
0: And Nikki, looking, I guess, looking ahead and with the report that Plan did and everything your organization and others obviously know about the situation and the issues at stake what are what are the recommendations or what would you know plan want to see the support be for for teenage girls right now in the uk
3: yeah i think um i think first it's about a recognition that you know girls have needs and we need to listen to their voices and hear from their experiences And I think it's about understanding their unique perspectives as well because I think when we consider um, children, young people, we lump them all together in one sort of group, children, young people or just young people. But actually, you know, we need to think about what are the unique experiences of adolescent girls in particular. And, you know, these are key rights issues that girls have a right to feel safe. They've got a right to feel comfortable in their body. They've got a right to be able to access education and that includes physical education as well. Um, but also to feel that they can engage in the activities that maybe they did before, or to be able to to access um, new opportunities as well. So I think think it's really for us, it's about just making sure that we keep this on the agenda at all levels, um, from political right the way down to grassroots organizations are really thinking as, as we've heard about how to adapt, how to be quite agile in our thinking, how to make sure that what we're providing is needed, and just making sure that we capture um, the experiences of girls so we can tailor our approaches. I think that's really important. Um, for us as an organization, it's also about thinking about the big picture too, and um, you know, holding government to account and working with devolved governments as well, and just making sure that some of the issues that we made a lot of progress on before COVID don't roll back now. And I think that could be the case in terms of gender equality as a whole and girls' rights and just making sure that we keep this on the agenda. Um, Pre-COVID, we did a lot of work around menstruation, and we know that um, the shame and stigma surrounding periods is a a huge barrier for girls still, to accessing opportunities, to doing sports and physical activity. Um, And Plan UK were the co-chairs of the Government and Equalities Office Task Force on Ending Period Poverty, which was fantastic. And we were seeing a lot of um, developments there, schools now providing products free for those who need them, you know, great steps forward. Well, actually, you know, that's all in danger now of rolling back. And, you know, we've still got a lot of work to do in terms of removing some of those barriers. So I think, you know, us as a large organisation, an international organisation, we've got a role to play in terms of working with the policymakers at the top but also connecting with those other smaller organisations or the grassroots organisations who are there working on the ground with girls, with schools, um, with families and making sure that we join the two up.
0: Yeah, I mean, there was a story out today from Free Periods about the fact that only 40% of schools have actually applied for the free provision, which they can now access. Um, and it's it's so much about awareness, isn't it? It's about you know not just launching a whole scheme, but telling schools how they can access the scheme and how they can do it, and the importance of doing it. Because obviously, for a lot of schools, they yeah. may not they may not realise that. And when we did some research a few years ago with the U Sport Trust, you know, we found that 42% of girls actually said they avoided exercise when they're on their period so it is still a, a massive barrier for a lot of girls to access what do you think needs to be done you know as well as getting that government support which is now um almost you know it is there essentially what do you think can be done further to break down that barrier potentially at a school level as well as providing the provision you know and the materials for free and the products what else can we do to change that stigma
3: I think there's so much that can be done. I think the first thing is to recognise that that stigma still exists. And it's interesting, you were saying about only 40% of schools took up the the free products. You know, a lot of um, schools may say, we don't have period poverty here, this is not an issue. Or, you know, the person who does the procurement for the school might not be somebody who understands that period products are needed. You know, it's not the same as ordering pens and pencils and toilet roll. Um, So I think, there's a huge awareness piece that needs to happen with staff and with adults and, and society in general to say that actually this is normal. It's a normal bodily function. It's something that we just need to, to talk about. But also that piece needs to happen with young people themselves. And still, really, for the majority of schools, what happens when children have the talk about um, puberty is we separate girls and boys. So boys have no idea what's going on in terms of girls' puberty and vice versa, and that just perpetuates the stigma. And we found actually that, you know, a huge amount of girls experience bullying and teasing relating to their period. Um, there's, you know, just that anxiety really about leaking, about not going, being able to go to the toilets. Uh, lots of schools have kind of sort of toilet policies, which in one sense is really understandable. You don't want pupils going off in the middle of lessons all the time. But from a girl's perspective, it's really hard because you need to have that sort of freedom to be able to manage your period. And so what it results in is girls missing education. But as you said, it's a huge barrier in terms of um, sports and physical activity as well. And we just need to normalize the whole thing. And that starts from the companies who you know, still have the period um, adverts using blue liquid, which just confuses everybody as to what color an actual period is, all the way down to parents at home and carers just talking about it normally. You know, a lot of girls don't feel comfortable even talking about it with parents, with dads. And there's been a lot of companies and organizations who have done amazing work on this and really trying to smash these taboos but we just need to keep it going really particularly now as we come out of covid
0: and looking at sport specifically mia you you said you're you really enjoy sport and you really enjoy pe so what do you think could be done to encourage more girls and and, and encourage some of your friends who maybe aren't as interested or or don't enjoy it as much as you to take part I definitely
4: think it comes down to the actual teachers and how they put sport across, because I know our teachers, they they all love sport and they do try, but they just don't put it across as I would expect them to. They don't mention it in assemblies as much, they don't say things in the changing rooms while we're getting ready, they just don't say enough things, to be honest, because there's competitions that I don't even, that I know is happening, but they don't either, put our school forward or they don't tell the children that that that's actually happening. And then we end up not getting a team we have to pull out.
0: And and more generally, what, what would you like to see your school do in the next sort of year with, with how school's going to be delivered? It's obviously going to be a little bit different for you, but what do you think, what would be, you know, a, a dream request that you could see from your school? Is it that there would be more sports time, you know, what would you like to see happen?
4: I definitely think they could put um, more after school clubs on or just lunchtime ones because I definitely prefer doing lunchtime school classes. But then so then I have time to do my school after school. But um, I think they should be mentioning it more in assemblies and just saying, oh, girls, what would you prefer to do? What would you have given us an opportunity to choose instead of just saying, all right, we're doing football today instead of saying, what would you prefer to do?
0: Yeah, I think giving girls the choice is massive. And we've seen with the Girls Active programme that, that we've helped on with YST, how if you give girls the choice and and, and empower them, then, then they will, you know, for a lot of them, it will inspire them to take part in sport when they've never really been that interested. And Vanessa, do you think it's going to be harder to get girls like Mia, um, you know, excited and want to participate in your programmes? Do you think girls who maybe were once really interested in sport or perhaps you may have been able to encourage them, they weren't you know, particularly active. Do you think it's going to be hard to, to
1: get them to, to take part? Well, we're, I think we're definitely anticipating that, that girls are going to be arriving back to school with um, perhaps lower levels of confidence in these things. Um, you asked before about you asked Mia like what what she thought would help with this um I think Mia is being far too modest because I'm going to I'm going to talk Mia up for this one instead <laughs> so Mia is one of our young leaders on our program and um I'll, I'll talk about that more in a minute but just generally what I think will really help get girls uh, back to sport and get them engaging are people like Mia being role models so um After we had our first year of our programme, we were really, really lucky that our um, charity partner, Nat West, commissioned uh, commissioned an academic evaluation of our programme so that we could really plainly say, in evidence, taking part in programmes like ours um, and getting girls involved in a kind of a peer-to-peer mentoring sport-themed programme can really impact their physical activity, their confidence, their resilience, their adaptability, their creativity, everything girls need, especially at this moment. And the way it works is that our coaches, our professional coaches, go into schools like Mia's and they train a small number of teenage girls to be the champion for cricket, to be the champion for sport, to normalize it for girls in their school. And we came out of this evaluation with this really clear blueprint for what works. And that was pre COVID time. So I think what works is even more relevant now. And the first thing they found was just give the responsibility to girls, let them have ownership, say to them, you know you might be more comfortable with sport but as we did we're going to empower you to put on your own after school cricket club we're going to help you set it up you're going to advertise it you're going to get your friends to come along we've seen great creative ways of doing this across the country whether through snapchat through social media all these things and then you're going to have this responsibility where you have a role you have a role to engage other girls get them to come along and I know um, I've spoken to uh, coaches that have worked with Mia. I've worked, spoken to teachers uh, in Mia school, and she's played a huge role in that. Um, so in terms of what can we do, um, give it over to girls, give them more responsibility, empower them to do it themselves. Um, that peer-to-peer message is so important. So anything that can encourage that more, I think, will be really helpful.
0: Amy, what do you think would be, you know, maybe as well as that, are there any particular things that you think would help encourage girls to, to get active again or, or perhaps for the first time when we return back to school in the next few weeks.
2: Yeah, I think I agree with a lot of what Vanessa is saying and that sort of whole peer-to-peer mentorship is really powerful because it's relatable and young people tend to respond a lot more posit- positively to people who are relatable. I mean, for us at Goals for Girls, we're a female-led organisation. Um, and that in itself can be quite inspiring to our young people and automatically it's people that they feel like they can approach um saying that we had to work really really hard to build the foundations that sort of set that level of trust um, where our girls felt like they could come to us if they had an issue or a problem and it worked last year we had a group of girls and you'll hear from one of our participants Rebecca Um, come to us at lunchtime and say this is so unfair we still feel like we can't go on the astro at lunchtime you know and we play football multiple times a week we're part of goals for girls they know what goals for girls is but it's still sort of overrun by boys and you know one of the challenges that will come out of this that did exist pre-lockdown is sort of mixed PE lessons and this whole idea of like girls really struggling to sort of build themselves up to take part but that idea of being fearful if they do something wrong and then being judged especially by their male peers and you know these girls they got together they were like this isn't fair let's create a petition let's get kids in the school to sign it you know let's take it to a member of SLT and they did and SLT were just simply blown away by sort of their creativity their passion their sort of influence the way they acted they were so responsible so incredible and you know they've got designated pitch time every Tuesday break and lunch time and you know that's that's a start it's a safe place for girls to play football and I think you know creating those safe spaces might be a little bit more difficult simply because number one girls don't really like to take up space Um, and number two we physically don't have the space for them to take up because of coronavirus and having to sort of really adhere to safety precautions and whatnot But I do really, really believe and as an organisation, we do really, really believe in this idea of having role models that you can see on a regular basis, but also look like you. You know, 82% of our girls come from black and Asian backgrounds Um, and having an ambassador like Danielle Carter makes a massive difference to our young black girls you know, and especially someone that also came from East London that speaks volumes to our girls in East London. And seeing more women that look like them will make such a difference. You know, if you can see it, you can believe it. If you believe it, you break barriers. And that might sound corny or whatnot. And that's what we tell our girls. And it works. And with football in particular, and women's football, I guess a lot of women's football, it's a very sort of white space It's a very middle class space, you know, families that come from a sporting background understand the importance of sport on the development of young people and this idea of building resilience and those soft skills that are really vital um, through sport. And a lot of our participants don't have that sort of background, that traditional sporting background. They don't have parents that can afford to take them to various places in London or across the country to take part in activities. They can't afford kit. They can't really um, provide nutritious, sustainable meals to help them feel energized on a regular basis and things like that. So... I think we've got a lot of work to sort of overcome, but this idea of having somebody or a group of people that can really represent the majority of our young girls. And because there are hundreds and thousands of Daniel Carters all over the country, you know, and I think there are organizations, I think BT sport, they've started their, is it called the ultimate goal? That program they've just developed where they get, um, well, I think they've selected the participants and they're looking for the next sort of female footballing star. And that's fronted by Rosie and Molly Kamita, Eniolia Alu- Enioli um Rachel Brown Finnis, like a, a real sort of diverse group of people. And I hate throwing that word around, like diversity, but it does super. super it's super important. It matters so much in sport, especially for women. Um, so big up people like Mia, huh, who are incredible role models. We need more young people like that. It's just sort of how how do we get them to feel comfortable and confident enough. To be that sort of shining light amongst a group of girls that have so much to contend with in 2020, now living in you know, a world dealing with a pandemic. Um, but we'll get there, we've got to be positive, we'll do it. You know, we're great.
0: <laughs> I think that's a perfect opportunity to, to now hear from some of the, the Goals for Girls um, participants, so um, listen to some of them.
2: I believe the challenges I've faced this year in school would be the pressure of how hard I need to work because of all the work I've missed out due to due to the pandemic. In PE, the main challenges I've faced is mainly due to low confidence in myself. This would be when I'm in a mixed team of boys and girls, I'd be worried if I messed up or made a mistake. It gives you more confidence on the pitch and confidence in yourself. It also helps with your social skills. Because often you'll find yourself in a team with people you might not know or people you don't feel comfortable around.
4: One challenge I'm going to face in September is probably adapting to the new environment I'm about to go into. As I'm starting year 12, it's going to be new people, new teachers and a new building. Um, And one of the problems that I faced during PE was trying to prove myself and prove that girls aren't sitting around in PE and watching the boys, we actually do take part and we actually do sporty things. Um, And I think one thing that Girls for Girls can do as a development programme is reach out to more schools other than Justin Newham so that more girls can understand that sports isn't a boys thing and it can be for both genders.
0: So after hearing from those girls, I want us to sort of all think about um, perhaps, uh, I don't know, it may seem like a realistic ask or it may seem like a a dream ask, but what would all of you like to see from, could be schools, could be local authorities, could be government, could be national governing bodies, other charities perhaps, what would you like to see um, happen this school year for teenage girls in order to ensure that you know this this forgotten generation that we're hearing about these these COVID kids are, aren't going to be what we we fear they could be. So Nikki, I'll, I'll I'll kick off with you. What would your be your your dream ask? I think my dream ask would be
3: just for everyone to come together and actually see the range of challenges in the round, rather than looking at these problems in isolation, because it is also interlinked. So girls' access to education, their mental health and well-being, um, their physical health, their sense of safety, all the things we've talked about, they're all connected. So I'd love to see us all working together and not as separate entities and individuals, but really coming together to look at all these challenges and find holistic solutions. That's my, my dream.
1: Vanessa, what would be yours? I was uh, two. I think. I think the obvious one for me is obviously that um, schools are given the time and space and can actually do this. That would be fabulous. But for girls, I really hope girls, teenage girls, go back to school. And whether it's people noticing it for them or them, they themselves saying, um, "I need to do this because actually I've had a really hard time and I felt really lonely and I feel a bit anxious and I want to do this." So being able to, it's like what Amy was saying, taking up that space to be like help i i want to i want to get back to this i want to get back to feeling better and to feeling myself um let's do this like having that owning that kind of want to get back to normality and if sport is important to them feeling that they can put their hand up and say no i really want this
2: amy yeah a combination of what nikki and vanessa have said really i think especially because we work with traditional comprehensive schools where maybe extracurricular activities and sporting activities aren't always at the forefront of their minds or at the core of their values just to really think about the impact sport has on not just young people but young women in particular and if we are to sort of build that future of a generation of women who can sort of lead and feel confident and not have to be constantly reassured by a society that hasn't Really put their values at the centre, then we need to have schools have some sort of shift in attitude towards sport. Um, and secondly, you know, I'm going to be crude money, you know, funding, especially for incredibly small organisations like Goals for Girls. You know, we make a small amount of money go a long way. So if you think that sport is important, if you think that the mental health and physical health and well-being of young women is important, quite frankly put your money where your mouth is you know go out there do some research look at women in sport and the research they produce look at sport england look at the various you know thousands and thousands of sporting clubs that you can support let's sort of stop closing youth centers and ending these sporting initiatives and fund them give them the money that they need and deserve to help communities thrive yeah
0: and Mia. I want you to go big on this. Don't feel like you have to be polite. What would you like? It can be anything you can ask this school year that you think would help you and, and your friends.
4: Honestly, I just want my friends to be more involved with in my sporting thing because obviously I've gotten them to come along to some of the clubs and they've actually played cricket for this school. They've played netball for the school kind of thing with me. But um, just getting people involved more than anything so by schools and teachers saying things it's just everything that they can do to help
0: here here well thank you everyone it's been a a really interesting conversation and i hope i hope that perhaps when we reflect on the coming school year next july things things won't perhaps be as bad as we're as we're thinking and girls will be able to to get active once again or engage in sport when they perhaps haven't in the past so thank you so much for your time everybody and thank you to our sponsors CSM Live as always all our research is available on our website and we'll put all the websites of our guests on there as well so you can have a look thanks so much for Mia for for giving her time today from Chance to Shine we really think it's important to hear from girls voices as well as the girls for girls participants who who sent us some of their thoughts as well so i think one of the most important things that we've you know all of us in this uh, on the guest lineup today have said is is listen to girls and listen to to what they say and support them and, and what they need and yes if you do want to get in touch as always support at womeninsport.org we will listen and hear from you soon thanks